This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder, cost versus care. Should we be talking about money again? Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And once again, we dare to discuss dinero. Money, 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 money. It is at the root of so many of the problems in our profession. It leads to burnout. It leads to emotional fatigue. It leads to just really rotten days sometimes. So this week, we're going to talk all about the dilemma between cost versus care versus the conversation around all of that. But first, as always, I am your host, Dr. Ernie Ward. I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. We got to talking together just about many scenarios we were encountering in practice where we felt torn between this balance of discussing costs with clients and seeming to care too much about the money, but wanting to make sure owners had good expectations and were informed and making sure we also were focusing on recommending the very best care and showing pet owners how much we cared about their pets. And we realized that so often in our day-to-day lives in practice, we feel like we're torn in between those two options. Would you guys agree? Oh my <laughs> yes, this yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, part of this conversation, Cindy, comes from when we speak with our colleagues, often there is a scenario that is shared that kind of goes like this. I referred my patient to some specialist, and this can be another general practitioner, it can be a university, especially hospital, doesn't matter. And the client came back disappointed and upset about the cost. And it really had little to do with the care. And so I guess part of our conversation is, are we talking about money in the right way? And if so, does that somehow make it more about the money? You know, it's confusing. And I think just one of the general challenges of estimates too. I mean, when I talk with folks at referral uh, facilities and Becky, I'm sure you can speak to this from that end too. You know, they would prefer clients have some idea of what things are going to cost before they ever work, walk in the door. And yet from the general practitioner end, sometimes I feel like when I'm trying to get that estimate for the client, it can be challenging to pin, pin down to a number that's going to be precise enough that the client isn't upset. And I wonder if that happens on our clients end too, you know, they try to get an estimate from us. It's hard for us to get something perfectly accurate for them. Right. But, but I want to start the conversation off and and Becky, I want to get your opinion because you've worked in specialty hospitals, emergency settings, you know, you're a veterinary technician. Should we be leading with the money conversation? So like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, okay, we're referring a patient for emergency care after hours. We're referring it to a specialist, referring it to some kind of, you know, general practice offsite. And we're doing that primarily to provide the best care. So I can't be there at my clinic 24 hours a day. I don't have full-time staff, whatever. But are we making it about the care or the cost? And if we make it about the care, do we not talk about the cost? If we make it about the cost, do we not make it about the care? You get where I'm all conflicted. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things I wish I had the perfect formula. But the first thing that comes to my mind is, number one, it's probably situational. You know, um, we oftentimes get caught up in just assuming that it's going to be um, a concern for our clients with the 
money is going to be. And I don't think we have a listener out there who can't think back to a time that they saw a client that they thought money would be an issue and were pleasantly surprised when money was not and they did whatever cost of care was. And then there are times that we think, oh, this client, we know they'll spend whatever it is and and then they don't. And so I think over and over and again, we proved to ourselves we can't assume. I think the best thing to do is to stick with the same pattern for every client or to take it on a case by case basis. So I know that sounds like either end of the spectrum, but basically have a checklist of the things that you're going to go over with your clients when you're referring them out no matter what. And cost of care can be included in that, but it should be included for every client every time and presented in the same way. Or we don't talk about cost of care at all. And we say this is going to be something that you have to discuss when you get there. But I I think giving them some kind of preparation and by following a pattern, we don't fall into the patterns of assuming our clients are going to go one way or the other. All right. And Cindy, here's where it starts to go terribly sideways. Um, One of my daughters uh, recently went to for her regular checkup and the doctor suggested that she actually go see another doctor for an additional test. Okay. No time during the conversation did the cost of said test come up. Only the focus was centered around this is the best doctor for this particular type of testing, right? So so we walked out of there going, wow, she really has our best interests in mind, right? Now, I know it's third-party payment and all that stuff, but you get the psychology that I'm driving at here. Had that conversation gone like this, well, you know, I think your daughter would benefit from this additional testing. Now, I do need to warn you that additional test is $5,500, but the absolute best expert in our area, the one who I trust, you know, with all of my patients' care is Dr. Such-and-Such, right? I mean, that's a very different conversation, am I right? Is I guess my question is, when you get to said expert doctor, what is your perceived value going to be of that service? And is it going to be $5,500, especially if you don't have $5,500? Right. And that's a great point. So they've got to deliver. We get that point. But, you know, so I guess where I'm, I'm torn as a general practitioner, like if I make that conversation and it's centered around, it's going to cost $5,500, right? Am I now focusing, at least in the client's perspective, on the money side of the things or actually what's best for the patient? You know, it's, again, this is a dilemma. And, you know, it, it makes me think too about the fact that there are so many things in our, our life and honestly, I think it extends to our own human healthcare, where we tend to see the cost of things as a signal of how good they are and how high quality they are. Right. And I guess it kind of confounds me and I think many of our colleagues as well that our pet owners do sometimes give us the impression or seem to be seeking low cost care. And, and maybe that's an assumption we're making or making too frequently. Maybe they want to have something a little bit more expensive that does signal that high value service and that expertise. Well, Becky, I know in one of our podcasts, uh, not too long ago, you talked about how sometimes veterinary technicians, they, they view differently veterinarians who are really interested in production based pay, like, right. So they're like, you know, making these big bills and so forth. Do you ever hear talk about veterinary technicians that they say, you know, gosh, you know, they're this veterinarian is always talking about estimates or money or does that make you uncomfortable in any way if, if money keeps popping up from a veterinarian? It does make me uncomfortable if I feel 
like it's going to inhibit care. Um, you know, if, if they're talking about it in the sense that it is always a number one, and if they're not making a certain amount of money, then they're not happy. Or if the client's not spending a certain amount of money, then they are 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 not maybe respectful of the client's choices. Um, I think it's great when I hear a veterinarian talking about money a lot when it's based on providing the best care. And so if it's a matter of making suggestions that will accommodate the needs of the client on every end of the scale, then I want to hear about money. Because at the end of the day, we have to make sure we're providing great care, whatever the cost is, the best that we can. And, you know, I think there's becoming a shift and a change in veterinary culture in understanding that we have to start thinking outside the box on ways to provide great veterinary care and meet all of our clients' needs, regardless of, of what that budget is. I've seen this shift in veterinary medicine over the 30 years. Number one, we used to not talk about money at all, right? I mean, we, we like we used to be pulling teeth to give to get vets to give estimates, right? So reluctantly, they came along and said, let's start talking about money and give you an estimate for your spay and neuter procedure. So now that's in the 90s and 2000s. Today, has the pendulum, in your opinion, swung too far? Are we now giving estimates for everything all the time, which sort of brings us back to this original dilemma of, are we emphasizing the money too much? And I think sometimes it's hard to get out of our own reality, right? It's like the fish and it's just like, well, what is water? Because you're just swimming in it. And and I wonder to some degree if if I experienced that as a new graduate, like it's, for me, it's always been that way. You know, ever since I was a veterinary assistant, we gave estimates for just about everything and we talked through it and we said exactly what we were planning to do. And I guess in some ways I can't imagine how my clients would respond if we didn't do that. And I'm curious to hear your personal experiences and what you feel has worked or not worked. I mean, right now we tend to talk about the care first. So we we talk about everything that the pet needs. And then I say, we're going to put together a treatment plan just so it's not a surprise up front and you kind of know what you're getting into. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of how we've addressed it in the, in the past. I think sometimes it's harder for those annual wellness exams. When you walk in with an estimate, the very first thing, I think it's easy for people to start saying no to things due to cost without having a larger discussion about what's important and and what and why we're recommending the things we're recommending. But again, want to hear from your experiences. So one thing I have recently experienced on my end um, was looking for a new dentist. And if you know me, you know, that's pretty much the worst thing that I could ever have to do in my life. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah, we share that in common. And so I was um, seeking new dentists in my area and I came across a dentist who has the cost of care listed on his website. And I think that contributes in this conversation about that transparency of, you know, are we being really transparent where we can be? Would we not need to be putting an estimate out there if all of our exam fees and costs for vaccines and things like that were more available? And I, and I just thought that was an interesting thing that it was out there um, and the veterinarian practices that we go to um, and specialty clinics. Could there be more transparency straight out front? And what would that do? But at the same time, uh, my this same dentist kept bringing money up during my visits. And uh-huh. while they were being really transparent, um, he mentioned money two or three times. And I finally looked at him and I said, hey, you're the only one who's mentioned money so far. I haven't. Wow. Um, and, and so I was sort of feeling like he was assuming that I was inhibited by my plan of care based on money. And so sometimes I wonder, like we were having this conversation is, are we talking about it so much that we're insulting our clients? Because I almost felt insulted by the fact that he continually brought it up. Right, right. And, you know, there's an old business adage. It goes like this. Cost only matters in the absence of value. 
And, and so I think that historically, the veterinary profession probably hasn't delivered commensurate value to price. And that's just something that people like me have been working on our entire careers. We want to make sure that we deliver the goods so we can charge the appropriate fees. And this is actually how we raise our fees over time. But getting back to that, you know, if the public says, you know what, I'm not sure if the value is there, then I think they start to do two things. One, demand more transparency. So what exactly am I going to have to pay to go in and get my dog's vaccines or get my cat spayed or neutered, right? So they're they're saying this transparency is maybe a veiled way to say, I'm not sure you're going to deliver, so at least I want to know how much I'm going to be out, okay? The second thing I think that this lack of value creation actually creates for us is that the client begins to seek alternatives. And that's what we're seeing clearly in the marketplace, right? I mean, we are we are competing on so many different levels with so many non-professionals that it's it's really overwhelming for me. So, Cindy, what do you say about this? Like, you know, again, the the value, the cost, the transparency, this is really a big gumbo of mess as far as money is concerned. Yeah. And you guys know me, I'm a broken record. I think when it comes to expectations and how important expectations are. And what's, what's funny here is it almost seems like we're all confused about what do our clients expect from us? Because I I was thinking about your story, Becky, and about how tacky it would seem to me if I were looking for a new doctor and their price was listed on the, on the ad that they were putting out there. Because you're more concerned about the care you're going to get. You're you're more worried about is this what are the credentials of this doctor or dentist? You know how am I going to be treated? Like the emphasis for you is the experience, and yet they're saying you know this is fifty five dollars, and if you're on an additional X ray, that's another hundred and ten dollars, and you're going whoa whoa whoa, you guys are making it about the wrong thing. Yeah, and and I think the other piece of this is you know I think about mechanics as well because I think unfortunately sometimes our clients try to compare us to that, and. That makes me worried, of course, because we want them to see us as trustworthy. But if I have a mechanic who I really, really do trust, then that value and me just trusting that they are recommending the right thing does make me a lot less overall concerned about cost and a lot less likely to ask about cost. So I, I wonder sometimes if we're seeing this price sensitivity and we presume it's because clients don't have money and instead we're not realizing that it's a lack of trust as part of what's going on. And Becky, we used to call this the invisible checkbook. And I don't, I know we don't use checkbooks that much anymore, maybe the invisible (laughs) credit card. But I want to ask you, so when people can't see what you're doing, right? Like a vaccine, they can see it go in, but they don't see it protecting against all these different diseases. There's also that gap in value creation. So sometimes do you think it's because we are practicing veterinary medicine, they don't see or experience it firsthand, it's by proxy, does that also muddle the the issue? Sure. Yeah. Like I can't see in my mouth, right? Like right, right. he's doing it. But what it makes me think about is, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're always going to have these different populations, right? And so my sister said that to me one time of a veterinary visit that she had. She said, you know, when I asked about the cost of a vaccine, it's not because I I can't pay for it. It's just because I don't have a relation point. I don't know what a vaccine costs. And so when somebody walks into the clinic with their, their brand new pet for the first time, they don't necessarily have even any kind of relatable point to say, is this a $100 exam or is this a $10 exam? I really don't know what exams cost. So we think to some point there is just they they're not as educated on it and because we live in a third party payment society of insurance for most people 
they don't they don't see those price points and necessarily even understand those numbers right your do, your doctor charges $110 for the exam the insurance has a negotiated rate of $52 and then there's a write off amount and none of it makes sense by the time they're looking at their explanation of benefits and so how could we expect <laughs> them to come into our clinic and understand and know any better and then you look at things like vaccine clinics where it's very transparent it's on the side of the bus $25 for a vaccine you watch them do it and and they see that value so i think we have clients who are very tangible hands-on clients who want to know for planning purposes, some because it's a limitation purposes, and it somehow is our job to bridge the two and figure out what they want to know when and how. And what we know is we're not going to make it good for everybody all the time, but we can just do the best that we can with the clients that we personally serve. Exactly. And and again, for that expectation point, re- recognizing too, again, what kind of clients do we serve? And with diff- different demographics, those expectations might be different. For some clients, they may be looking for that transparency. For other clients, they might find that transparency insulting. Um, I did find it interesting. My husband had a similar experience to yours, Becky, the other day where he was getting a certain test done and the nurse kept saying, just so you know, it's going to be $100. It's going to be $100. It's going to be $100. And he was like, yeah, that that's not a big deal for us. And I had to explain to him um, that... Sometimes when we hear clients say, oh, that cost is fine, sometimes for us that means they're not planning to pay their bill. <laughs> so um, right. so it, again, where is our context coming from and how can we have clearer conversations about you know, what people are looking for? And, or even could we set that up you know, when they first come into the, the appointment saying like, hey, I would like an estimate for anything that's going to be over X amount or you know, but below that, I, I'm okay. I, I don't know where to start there. Well, you know, one thing that after listening to both of you with your recent experiences in the human healthcare domain, we're starting to see the emphasis on cost, right? Because insurance isn't what it used to be. We're seeing a reduction in benefits and payouts and increasing co-pays and all these other charges that are hidden. So maybe maybe in some weird universe, this is going to actually help us, right? Because people are going to get used to this, oh, it's an additional 50 bucks or $100 or whatever, that then the vet talking about the cost doesn't seem so alien. You're exactly right. And I think we have, we are in this funny time of clients who you know, have experienced third party payments where you go to the doctor and you never pay a dime. It's just taking care of an insurance is whole. And then we have this generation of co-pays and deductibles and understanding how that system works. But we also have this generation of when I was a kid, we had a dog in the backyard. He ate what we ate. We never gave heartworm prevention. He never used special surgery and he lived to be 27 years old. And so I think as long as we're trying to bridge those different generation gaps that we we are coming into a time where people treat dogs like family members. And, and that's obviously been over the last 10 to 20 years, but it's becoming every day now. And while we still have that kind of old way of thinking, we're going to have to kind of accommodate that. And as we re-educate our clients, and I think that's the number one thing, like Dr. Cindy said, is set that expectation through communication and education. And Cindy, I know we've covered this many times on this podcast, but there is this strong need in the public to provide better veterinary care at lower cost. And I, I know that while at first that sounds like an impossible feat, but that's really the reality that that we're being faced with as a, as a profession. And it sounds like on the human side, they're having the same demands. Yeah. And I think we, we get stuck. We, we forget, I think, about the pets who never see a veterinarian at all. Right. Like we forget that those pets exist. And, and there are, I think, a lot more pets than you might expect. I, 
I got to see Fritz would speak yesterday and he was sharing some CAPC data of just, you know, in a given area, how many pets are getting a fecal test over the course of a year? <laughs> it's and, not and many. That number, <laughs> it's not many, but also in that number compared to the number of dogs that are even in America, you know that, yeah, there's going to be a compliance issue, but on top of that, there's going to be a people not even going to the vet at all, not even right. hearing that recommendation issue. So what, you know, is it going to be good overall for us to make sure that that there are options and what can we do to make sure that we're we're meeting the needs of the particular people we're trying to serve and and maybe not panicking as much about the fact that you know we're not going to be there to serve every single pet owner because we're not going to be a good match for them i think that's such an important point that you make dr cindy and i want to just bring to light you know, this is a conversation we're having because it's important because it's part of our day to day. But, you know, Dr. Ernie, like you said, when we were prepping for this show is that this is one of the number one things that leads to burnout, that leads right. to just being tired of having this conversation on a day to day basis, being tired of having to put euthanasia on the table because the cost of care is not an option. And it's the only way to, to be in life saving care for our pets and the clients that come in front of us. And, you know, in the general practice, light we don't get life or death euthanasia as frequently i think as those in specialty and emergency that maybe listen to our show and, and you know for them this is actually a matter of their longevity as well this is a matter right. of the ability to provide care at all in a lot of cases right. because sometimes it does come down to we take this spleen out because it's ruptured or we euthanize your pet right. so from the general practice standpoint, this is essential for us to get a hold of. And then from a veterinary professional standpoint, important for us to have this conversation and to be able to get a, a rein on it because this is devastating to a lot of our colleagues. And I think from a social standpoint, what's really interesting is if we're talking more and more and people are saying, you know, hey, my pet is a family member. You know, our society treats family members, human family members, very different in a medical sense than it does pet family members. You know, our government has yeah. elected to help support the cost of care for human family members to make sure that they can get at least the basic standard of care for their health conditions. But but they do not do that for our animal family members. And if if people across the board come to believe that having a pet is so beneficial that it in some ways should be a right, then I don't see how it couldn't end up going that direction at some point to make sure that those pets have, you know, a baseline of, of ethical care, which, and again, I think one of the things we we've kind of circled around, but maybe not said explicitly is how do we set everybody up for success so that we are not making clients feel like they're judged, but we're also not feeling like we're judged or we're having to make heavy emotional decisions that that weigh us down for for a long period of time or lead to the very frustrating Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a good point. And, and to me, in in just a matter of providing some kind of solution or opinion on a means, and we've talked about this all the time till we're blue in the faces, we talk about pet insurance, we talk about setting up expectations. And to me, this is essential to do in the time that it's not an emergency or a crisis. So when your new pets are coming in, whether they've just been adopted or they're new puppies, that's it's a great time to be talking about what an emergency costs, not in the middle of the emergency, because you are setting them up for success and you are helping them to understand the importance of finding a clinic that provides a wellness plan or finding that insurance plan that works really well for them. But when you can have these conversations in moments of happiness while puppy is happy and healthy and things we want to consider, we set our clients more for success than 
I'm really sorry that you're in this moment and now you have all these emotional factors at play, but we also have to make this financial decision as well. And so I would like for our listeners and our and my professional colleagues to consider having these conversations when they don't quote unquote matter that much. You know, and I'm going to maybe respectfully tweak that recommendation slightly because I found the longer I'm in practice, I talk about pet insurance at almost every single visit now. And, <laughs> and the, the reason why, and I, and sometimes, and I might get some flack for this because sometimes when I think for, for some folks, they might feel like it's completely taboo or it's completely outside of the realm of, of being appropriate. But I, I have had conversations with folks who their pet has a severe condition they cannot afford to pay for it. And we're talking about how hard it is for their pet now. And, you know, unfortunately, it's it's too late for this pet now. But these days we have better pet insurance options than ever. So if you if and when you do decide to get another pet, it's just something to think about and something to consider. Um, or, you know, when they're again, when their pet is healthy to say like, hey, this is a perfect time to get it. Because I think when they hear from me by the third time, I'm like, gosh, do you have that pet insurance yet? Um Sometimes when it becomes that expectation, they're they're more likely to have done it. Or I'll have discussions when the pet is sick about, you know, hey, this probably won't be the first time your pet gets sick. Let's make sure to get that pet insurance so that the next thing your pet gets will be covered. So, yeah. Well, and like you, Cindy, I, I talk about pet insurance probably far too much and too often. But there's also some ethical boundaries that apparently some of our colleagues have overstepped recently because there's been a big ruling that said certain uh, incentives from a particular pet insurance company were uh, taboo, were no-nos, and you're going to get in big trouble if you continue to do it. So, so again, getting back to the whole cost, right? I mean, we've got to be really, really careful and mindful of these recommendations and what impact they have because let's face it, we ruined pet nutrition kind of by following some of these paths, right? I mean, you know, vets were selling a certain diet, you know, every vet had this. And then we got these rumors and you end up, oh, you're getting a kickback. Oh, you're getting royalties. Are you, you know, which I have never received, which I'd love to get those checks sometime. But the reality is, are we going to make the same mistakes maybe with third party payment plans, whether they're wellness plans, whether they're insurance? I mean, what do you think about that, Cindy, with some of this recent ethical concerns? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's concerning as well. I, I get a little iffy about any Thing where we're getting a kickback. I think, honestly, I think we're a little cavalier in this industry about not recognizing the kind of impact those things can have. Um, there are some concerning studies that suggest that even if you're getting something as simple as a pen, there are probably going to be some mild influences as things. So, so yeah, you know, I don't think we're getting big things the way that a lot of clients believe, but I do think we could be more um, focused on what we are getting and what its potential impact might be. And to recognize that the, the human medical field has really shifted gears in terms of what they allow and what they don't allow, and that those kinds of changes may be coming down the pipeline for us as well, and to, to plan for that and understand what the, the client and patient response is to that. I know I had on my uh, HIPAA form, I always read those darn things, but it said <laughs> for my family doctor, it said, you know, you approve that we may get paid for recommending certain treatments right. for you. And I was like, no, right. this is not okay. <laughs> like, right. so, so yeah, clients, clients will recognize that kind of stuff and, and it could be pretty damaging. All right, Becky, you've heard Cindy and I lament about this. We're still very frustrated. I'm unsettled. We still talk about money and we have to talk about money, but can you give me any clarity, any direction, any advice? I think that, Again, do the best that you can to get the preconceived notions out of your head 
I think remember to be empathetic and kind every chance that you can and to leave as much judgment out as you possibly can. And, and like both of you said, I think having conversations every time that you see a client about what different expectations could be set in different scenarios based on the care that you're providing that day is important because helping them plan and see and think for the future. I think we need to remember that not all of our clients have ever even had a pet before. And some of this stuff that's really every day to us may not be every day to them. And just remember expectations are what often set disappointment on both sides. Well, I think it's clear to me that the expectation that this will continue to be an issue, the tension between cost and care, the conversations around money, the whole dilemma that our profession faces around the dinero will continue for quite some time. But we want to hear from you. I mean, what do you think about this? This is a topic that touches us all, nearly every appointment. How do you deal with this? How do you satisfy your yearning for peace and clarity? <laughs> How do you sleep at night? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us at on Facebook at The Veterinary Viewfinder. Tell us your process. Do you guys talk about care first? Do you talk about money first? Like what, how do you guys handle this issue? You can also find us on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and your advice via uh, iTunes reviews helps us know what you love about the podcast so we can keep doing it and helps other people find the podcast too. So reach out. And don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of The Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. 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 Man, there's a lot in there to unpack. Yeah, that's good.